Richie. Hi, Sen. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 204 of the Snack Covenant. Yay. And today we have a very special guest with us. <gasps> Who is it? Introduce yourself, special guest. Hey, guys, Labor here. I am a game creator and game developer. Been doing it for quite a while and uh, also been playing Souls for quite a while. Oh snap! And you've recently actually released a game on Steam. Yeah, yeah. So now, now I have the credentials to talk about this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and can you tell us about the game you released? Oh, it's a, it's just a passion project, you know. Um, it's called Artifacts. If you look it up on Steam, it'll be like right below the twenty artifact, <laughs> like, do like Dota card game sort of things. Not the greatest name idea, but. Uh, so if you just look up artifacts by labor or anything like that, you can buy it for just four bucks. Hmm. Yeah, you should have called it something like Apitaph or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was originally not for Steam, but whatever. It was originally for PS5, right? <laughs> yeah, it was gonna be a, a launch title. Can you tell us a little bit about how it plays? Oh, it's a it's a Metroidvania. So All right. The way it works is um, basically you have a bunch of areas that are directly connected to the beginning, and you can find you have a certain amount of upgrade slots. But the fun part about it is that you lose them when you die. So you have to kind of create a new build every time you play through it. That's really what cool. What's the souls like? Yeah, the souls like part is. The fact that I made it so hard that you're going to lose everything many times. <laughs> and uh, the completion rates aren't high, I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Excellent! And today's episode is about... How the design methodology of the Soulsborne games have changed over time. Oh no! I was about to say, and Labor helpfully designed an outline, but I don't have my soundboard on my PC. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. You should never get that soundboard. <laughs> yeah, Rich can do all the sounds and all the voices. Didn't you get me to be the beach last time? The what? I was the, the beach last time. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. So, where do we want to start with this? I, I've got a thesis, actually. I hear labor has got a thesis. Yeah, yeah, you know. All right. We're, we're doing things it. a scientific way now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? I, I believe that with every game that they've made, they have slowly been getting rid of all of the fail states. So any like big roadblock you can fall into where you just give up on the game and stop playing. While, and while also getting rid of all the RPG mechanics. So the builds, wow. the stats stuff, you know, they've, they've all become more action-y with each one. Yeah. Um, do you have any specific examples of what you're saying? We have an hour to talk about this. Wow. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this is something that we've brought up a couple of times recently because we've been talking about the Demon Souls remake and how that right. seems to be keeping the same, pretty much the same gameplay from what we do can you tell. Think, do you think they're going to keep the same upgrade materials though? Because like that was I such kinda, a hard thing to do. Back I kind of hope they do. <laughs> One of the things that we've talked about with regard to Demon Souls is that. It started off as a first-person game, and a lot of the combat seems to be a legacy of that. It's all very, very slow, deliberate animations, and you fight by moving around things. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how as the series has progressed, it's gradually adapted more and more to it being third-person with a lock-on, to the point where if you tried to play Bloodborne in first-person, it would be impossible, because you're just scooting around everywhere, and you would have no conception of where you were. And everything is moving so quickly. Whereas <laughs> Demon Souls, if you did play that in first person, it sort of works. You think so? Uh, not as much as it used to, obviously. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can kind of play Demon Souls like a Kingsfield game, but you can't play Bloodborne like a Kingsfield game, and you absolutely could not play Sekiro like that. Right, I see what you mean. Yeah. So... I, I gotta say though, some of those weird first person like peculiar things kinda kinda made Demon Souls what it is though, right? How um how weapons have weird hitboxes. Yeah. Cause um in Souls, a big part of the skill set is knowing exactly how the weapon swings during each animation. Mm. Like a heavy attack in Souls, if it's a vertical one, you can use that for different things than if it was horizontal, right? Yeah. That's why, um, for example, the straight sword movesets are always so good because they have that thrusting attack at the end, right? Yeah. Do you think that's part of the first-person thing, or is that just a, a weird um, 3D mechanic? Well, I, actually, if you want another example of that, I was playing Bloodborne last night, and um, I'd never done a rifle spear character before. Great weapon. Yeah, and I, oh yeah, when when you do the rifle spears running heavy, it swings above you. So you can use that to hit bosses that like like Amelia where their head is, is raised a lot of the time. You can actually just whack them that way. Which or amygdala, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you like using the uh the transformed saw cleaver to hit amygdala's head and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So Okay. From the Kingsfield games I played, like I think all the swords behaved pretty much the same from memory in terms of hitboxes. Because in Kingsfield, it was way more about positioning yourself relative to the enemy than it was about like understanding your hitbox. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's hard to judge your own hitbox in first person to begin with. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, because you you kind of don't have a sense of where you are. You're literally just a levitating arm. And you probably you don't have heavy attacks in the game either, right? You just have one yeah. You you just have weapons. a stamina bar that like the amount of damage you do is relative to how full it is when you attack. There's you can't even look up and down. Um, right? I think you can. Hmm. I, I don't. It's, it's like half the thing is half the Kingsfield games didn't come out in this region, so I don't know. Well, uh, I I just brought that one up because uh, this the if we're talking about design space that hasn't really been fulfilled that much i don't think that any of these things are really intentional in souls yeah 
Like they they never really took these to the next level, aside from in Bloodborne and DS3, where you can break specific limbs if you target them, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is so cool, by the way. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't make anything of it. But there, you guys have never played any Souls likes, right? Like the Surge or Monster Hunter World. You play the Surge. Yeah, I, I like I like the Surge a lot. Yeah. That's got the limb breaking mechanic, right? Yeah, yeah. It has the. I I tr- do, tried. Do you want me to explain it? I tried to get Sin into it by saying it was like Vats from Fallout because she's obsessed with Fallout. <laughs> you guys want me to explain it so viewers yeah, sure. can yeah. understand? Yeah. yeah. So, so a really cool part of the surge and the surge two, which is the only one that I've played, is that uh, when you target somebody, you can also use the camera stick to target specific body parts. Mm-hmm. And body parts, if you deal enough damage to them, you can chop them off, which gives you both what that piece of armor is and also gives you some upgrade materials for that type of armor. However, if you try to target armored body parts, that is much harder to kill. The enemy becomes harder to kill than if you just targeted the unarmored parts, which creates this really cool game feel of like, when do you feel strong and want to make yourself stronger? And when do you want to just try to get through the area and kill all the enemies? And it means that they don't have to worry that much about how, about making the game just the right difficulty because you can kind of manage it yourself, right? Yeah. And like you said, if you chop a part off, you get what that part had equipped. Mm-hmm. So it's very it's- good for grinding. It's not like, um, because if you want like a complete set with like the arms, the torso, and the legs, you don't have to keep killing the same enemy and hope the part you want drops. You can actually control what drops from it. So it's like I remember um, grinding for the Lothric Knight set in Dark Souls Three and just having oh, yeah. like twenty five sets of Lothric Knight gauntlets and no leggings. Like that doesn't happen. You just pick. Okay, I want that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you ever get to a hard area, you can just start targeting the unarmored part and yep. completely destroy them, really, because the game's easy. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you target <laughs> the unarmored parts, it's like it's easier, but you don't get a drop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of a design space that I'd be surprised if they don't try to use in Elden Ring, because they're probably going to have some big bosses of that game, right? Yeah. It, with, with it all being open world and stuff like that. But really, I think it's more interesting to talk about Demon Souls because you guys, do you guys think that they're going to keep many of the same boss designs, for example? Like, do you think that they're going to have Leechmonger the same way or Dirty Colossus the same way? Um, the really stinky bosses. You mean like visually or like the fight? Like the gameplay. Um, it looked well, this is something that we brought up with Illusory Wall, but like when. In the trailer when they're fighting Vanguard, Vanguard yeah. is behaving the same way, but also Vanguard has a mouth on its back. So we're like, are they going to alter Vanguard so it's got this mouth on its back, so if you try to hug it from behind and like cheese it, it will like bite you or something? Mm-hmm. It's got a built-in defense from behind. So, But we don't know because we haven't seen it yet. It might just be a, a visual design thing. Oh, like it'll bite you when you're behind it? Yeah, yeah, kind of like they they kind of did that with the um the turtle guys in Dark Souls too. Oh, the falling attack. Yeah, where like there's the guys and they they they're 
like they break the sort of um mold by being really tough from behind so you can't just hug behind them and hit them and then if you hang around behind them too long they just fall backwards on you which is really cool or the guys in the dlc that like spurt lava out their backs yeah yeah the golem things yeah right right yeah the chicken legs yeah, and then like Bloodborne, they they just get around that by everything is really fast, so it's really hard to hug the back of anything that isn't like Ibriatus. And everything has a dash move. Yeah, that turns yeah. them around towards you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know though. Something about Blue Point tells me that they're not going to release any mediocre content. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you guys? Well, actually, maybe I'm wrong. Do you guys like? Leechmonger because or Dirty Colossus? They just make no impression on me. I don't think they're bad. I just like they just sort of happen and then they're over with and I don't They're not very memorable. <gasps> no, actually one thing is memorable about them is that yeah. the leech guy gives you pants made out of leeches. I like <laughs> yeah. that he's called Leechmonger, because it implies He's like, he sells leeches on the street or something. <laughs> he's got like a card of leeches. <laughs> what if he's actually a merchant and he's just defending himself against us? Because we're like this lunatic that's been riding around killing people in the swamps. When he gives you the leech pants, it's like a free sample. Yeah. He's also yeah. surrounded in loot and yeah. item assist. Yeah. That's oh. a, that's a store. Yeah. yeah! Oh my god, we we're go. literally breaking into a store and killing the owner. Yeah. Well, we also give him some wares. Um, did you guys watch the Illusory Wall episode? where? Yeah, uh, yeah. You can drop stuff into it? Yeah. Sin, did you see that? Did I see what? The uh, Illusory Wall did a video on the Leechmonger corpses, how they're generated. No, I didn't. Oh. How are they generated? Um, so... There's a bunch of corpses in Leechmonger's arena, and you might think those are preset, but they're not. It's based on the draglings that you kill along the way, and they fall. So it's meant to be like, when you kill draglings and they fall, that's their corpses. It's not literally their corpses, it just tracks that they've fallen, and then it puts a corpse in the room. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I can link this back to the the topic at hand. Cool. So, <laughs> Demon Souls and many of the earlier games have so many of these weird, like, kind of obtuse mechanics that yeah. completely change how you should interact with the game. But because you don't know about them, you just don't, you don't really interact with them that much, right? Yeah. And all of these m- make the games feel more like an RPG to me. You know, right. It's not just it's not just about the combat. It's also about role playing, interacting with the world, and stuff like that. And then you get to like Dark Souls Three, that doesn't have any of those mechanics, right? Mm, it, no. it doesn't have as many of these weird little niche things that most people don't know about. It's more streamlined. Yeah, that's that's how I described it. Like when people were saying, "Why are you like less into this?" I'm like, "Because it's more streamlined." Well I, well, I guess we'll touch on it a bunch throughout this, but, like, the way that the sort of the weird 
esoteric stuff you had to hunt for and like it would happen randomly and you wouldn't understand it is largely absent at that point everything is a little everything is fairly convenient mm-hmm. and because of that i sort of felt like i was less invested in exploring and less invested in engaging with the world because i knew it, it sort of wouldn't let me miss anything mm-hmm. so the fact that it's so easy to figure it out was bad because you like figuring stuff out. I feel well, not necessarily that I like figuring stuff out, but that figuring stuff out, like if there were things in the game and I didn't understand where they came from and I didn't know they would happen, it created this sense of like any. Therefore, anything can happen in this world. Therefore, yeah, I need to be a, a good. Actually, something I've brought up before is, um, I guess with regards like Metroidvania design, which which we talked about a little bit, is the the bombable walls in Legend of Zelda. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in the first few Legend of Zelda games up to the third one, um, there are cracked walls, and if you put a bomb next to them, they'll explode and they form a passageway. But when they start doing that in the first game, not every one of those cracked walls is actually bombable. And also there are bombable walls that don't have cracks on them. So it's kind of an indication that this could blow up, but it's not 100% signifying that that's what it does. So because of that, it's always in the back of your head that, well, technically any one of these walls might have a secret passage behind it. So your engagement with the world is like, holy shit, like anything could happen. I'm going to like explore every nook and cranny of this environment. But then mm-hmm. when they codify, and like Metroid does this as well when it actually comes up with icons for what weapon will work on what block. When they codify, okay, if you see a crack, use a bomb. It's like, okay, well, they're just doors now. And like that aspect of, I don't know how far this goes. I don't know what's behind this. Anything could happen is sort of diminished, even if it's like faster and more streamlined. Yeah. It's your engagement with the world, right? Yeah. There's some games where you can play while also having a game going on in the background or watching a movie on the side. Yeah. Yeah. If you do that with a well-designed Metroidvania, you're going to miss half the game. Yeah. And that sucks, right? Yeah. I mean, Dark Souls straight up has two areas hidden behind two illusory walls. Yeah. And really importantly, like those areas aren't even necessary. They're just there. I think Ash Lake was what top three favorite areas when people put it up to vote or something like that. Yeah, people love Ash Lake, and it's really, it's really hard to get to. They don't signal that it's there. And when you get there, it's a dead end. But people love it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne are kind of the weird ones, because they have a couple of these mechanics, but I, I, I don't think they're quite as cool, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But at least it's more than Dark Souls 3. Like, Bloodborne's got chalice dungeons, right? Mm. Which, I don't think I've ever seen someone do chalice dungeons on their first playthrough, or finish them. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's purely for veterans and for people that play a lot. Yeah, I think they're designed around that because they don't scale with um, new game. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know you could access the chalices the first time I played Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like read lore and people would be like, oh, but Queen Yarnum. And I'm like, who's Queen Yarnum? What are you talking about? What's happening? It feels like they were okay with you missing it all. Like, they. They created this stuff, and they knew that there was so much there. They put so much time and effort into it, but they're okay with you just missing it all completely. 
Yeah. Which, um, which is really cool, first of all. Yeah. But every game since Demon's Souls, really, they've wanted you to miss less and less stuff. Yeah, they progressively you can. I mean, Demon Souls is like you can you can't quote unquote miss an area in Demon Souls because they're all mandatory. But there's stuff in the areas you can miss. The very tendency though. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, they've got stuff that you can't even do in one playthrough. Yeah. Hmm. So it forces you to miss stuff, or even stuff like like rescuing Yulia. Yeah. Yeah. How are you ever going to figure that out? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then in DS3. Well, I guess DS3 has some hard NPC quests, but... Yeah, and I guess um, Archdragon Pay could be the thing you can miss in DS3, the easiest. But Right, they, they've never left that design philosophy behind. Yeah. But there is some. there are some things where you can really see a big change over time. I thought yeah. the... I think the very best one we could talk about, actually, is boss design. Because bosses, oh my god, they have changed those completely mm. over the games. How so? If you look at the cast of bosses in Sekiro and compare them to the cast of bosses in Demon Souls, they're under a completely different philosophy overall. Yeah, yeah, which I think ties back to what we were saying, that like a lot of the Demon Souls onward bosses kind of work if you imagine they're first person, but that's completely impossible in Sekiro. Because in, in Demon Souls, if it was first person, you wouldn't be able to dodge attacks. You just straight. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Sekiro, it's all about dodging or parrying in that game, I guess. Mm. Because all the damage has to be avoidable for it to be fun. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Demon Souls, it doesn't have to be that way. You can't. There can be bosses where you just have to tank some stuff, and that's okay. Um. So if you look at the the Demon Souls bosses. How many straight-up combat encounters are there? Very few. I'd say, like, yeah, like, Penetrator would be one. Um, Penetrator, Alant? Yeah, Alant. Does um, uh, Doran, would would uh, Gal count as a boss, because he's part of the Astraea fight? Would who? Gal. Gal Vinland. Oh, yeah, but that's such a weird fight. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a regular combat. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there, there are not many straight-up combat encounters. There's there's those two, there's Man-Eaters, and there's Flame Lurker. I can't think of any more. Yeah, yeah. And like, this is another thing that we've brought up a couple of times with regard to Demon Souls, is that the game that Miyazaki worked on before Demon Souls was Armored Core for Answer. And right. a lot of the Archdemon fights in Demon Souls play out like a fight from Armored Core for answer. You have this big old boss and you have to exploit the weakness. Together. Yeah, they're they're like they're not like you said, they're not traditional combat encounters. It will like it'll be something like um like Phalanx, where you're not fighting it straight up. You have to like find its weak point while it's sending these weird drone things after you. Or right. it'll be Tower Knight where you have to like disable it by hitting the back of the leg and then attacking it when it falls over, things like that. I mean, Dragon God is the perfect example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, Storm King, where it's like, the whole point is it doesn't engage with you, it's in the sky. You have to figure out a way of hitting it from the underside. And like those... I, I, I will mention it again, because like we bring it up every time, but like the thing that differentiates Armored Core 4 Answer from the other games is that 
the opponents in For Answer are gigantic, like Mecha. They're not things that are the same size as you. So it's yeah. about taking apart, like the level, like there'll be a whole level that is actually like an aircraft carrier, but you have to figure out how to destroy the aircraft carrier that you're on. Like that's the level. It's not have a duel. There's there there are um uh mech on mech fights in it, but it's largely about like the climaxes are about taking out these enormous like battleships and things. It's not about fighting one dude. Yeah. So I, I want to bring up uh, an interesting topic though. Because you're right, the Demon Souls boss design was completely influenced by what came before. But every game after Demon Souls was influenced by Demon Souls. Yeah. And they figured out. Because if you think about it, if you ask the community, the favorite bosses in Demon Souls weren't the aircraft carrier type bosses, the weird ones that were inspired by previous games. I think the favorite bosses are Flame Lurker. And man-eaters, if I, yeah. can, if I remember correctly. Which are just straight-up combat encounters. Yeah. And in DS1, almost all the bosses have their gimmicks directly related to the fact that it's a 3D game. You have Taurus yeah. Demon. You have Asylum Demon that are all about interacting with the environment. Yeah. You've got Capra, where you're stuck in this tiny little room. Even Beta Chaos... The, the platforming and the avoiding the hole, that's all 3D stuff. Yeah. So there's a big progression there. And yeah. they, if you look at the Dark Souls 1 DLC, there are no gimmick bosses at all. And yeah, and that's, that's everyone's favorite Dark Souls 1 boss is Artorius. Right. He's yeah. just a straight-up combat encounter. Yeah. And then they make Dark Souls 2, and everyone hates the bosses, because they're all combat encounters. <laughs> right. Because they're, right. they're based on fighting the enemies in the, in the world, and so the designers looked at it and were like, huh, what's an interesting thing we can do with 3D combat? Make it into a gank boss. Right. So what, what would you say specifically like makes people dislike two's bosses in comparison to one because they're easy that's why <laughs> really yeah i, I think yeah. that's the the you never have to master half of them because right. you can just beat them on your first or second try and the fact that people go in and don't expect anything because dark souls one's bosses aren't great either but the difficulty means that every little advantage you can find is something that you have to pay attention to. And it's fun to master them because they're worth mastering. Right. But I've never yeah. mastered twin dragon riders because I don't have to. <laughs> right. You, you, you have to master Capra Demon to yeah. fight him. And sure, you can beat him without that, but he's a lot more fun when you actually figure out, hey, the fact that they made this encounter so hard means that there's a lot to learn about it. Right. Like, and then because Seath, he's not, he's not the hard boss, although Sin made him look yeah. really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seath is again kind of going back to like it's almost a, a Demon Soulsy kind of gimmick thing where it's just got to know to destroy that crystal. And then after that, he's kind of trivial. Right. 
as an indication of just how trivial like Seath is, um, literally the first time I beat Seath, it was no damage because he right. is so slow and predictable that I just I just hung back and sniped him for like ten minutes and he died and I didn't even get hit. You sniped him? Yeah, because the first time I I didn't realize. So you didn't fight him honorably. Exposed. I know. This is the first time I was playing, and I didn't realize that would be a boss arena. I thought I'd go back and fight him in his like little archive room. So I broke the crystal, and he showed up, and I still had my bow because I'd been sniping the clams. So I just like mm-hmm. realized, oh, I can just snipe you from the other side of the room, and you're so slow that by the time you get over to me, I can just run to the other side of the room. And I just repeated that <laughs> for like ten minutes, and I beat Seath no damage on my first attempt. He's not a difficult <laughs> boss. So you're a bully in real life and in game? I think he was bullying me. I mean, yeah, I, I did break his crystal, but he killed me first. You broke into his library. He locked you up so you don't steal from him. You break yeah. out. You kill everybody in his castle. You yeah. probably ruin his, like, ladders and stairs and whatever yeah. he has there. And then you kill him. On yeah. top of everything, after destroying all his property, you kill him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sin, do you like Bloodborne bosses though? I love Bloodborne. I love everything about Bloodborne. Do you like fighting the bosses? Mm. That's a <laughs> complex question. <laughs> okay. No, there's been there's been a development. Like it was like character development. You have like oh, yeah. an arc with Bloodborne bosses where oh, yeah. <laughs> no, the first time we streamed the DLC. You had not beaten Orphan of Cause, and you lied to me and said that you had. <laughs> and this, it was actually a ruse to get me to stream it with you so I would kill Orphan for you, because you couldn't do it. No, and then we streamed it again a couple of years later, and you beat Orphan. And I'm the one who died. Okay, but the difference is, a couple of years later, I was level, like, 200, as opposed to level, like, 10, because I didn't want to level. Also, you had, you had upgraded your weapon. Yeah. See, I th- I think with you, like you're you're better at fighting the bosses than you think you are. It's just that you don't pay attention to weapon upgrades, so you're like doing <laughs> like Lobos Junior in yourself the whole time. <laughs> Is that why you dealt so little damage to see? Yeah, she has an unupgraded like oh strength for that whole fight. <laughs> okay, you know what? Fight, yeah. That is a design thing, though. Okay? Because how in the world would anyone get to the final bosses of a, of a game without upgrading their weapon? They would summon their friend to beat them. <laughs> no, it's because in all the Soulsborne games, if you're not necessarily told and pointed to upgrading your weapon, what you think is, oh, my weapon levels with my stats, so I yep. have to upgrade my stats, and then my yeah. weapon gets better. Yeah, that's, you can that's... only upgrade in two places in Dark Souls 1. Yeah. And you have to know that you can work to these places, Yeah, which is something you unlock halfway through the game. Yeah. But then in Dark Souls 3, you just have Andre in the main hub. And yeah. he's impossible to ignore because he's always going dink, dink, yeah. dink <laughs> in the background. Yeah. And no one misses upgrading in Dark Souls 3. Yeah. And in Sekiro, you don't even have to upgrade, right? You yeah, just you, click you, and you um, just use an item. Yeah. 
you automatically do it at the at the idols. Right. The only thing you have to like go to an NPC to get done is the the gourd seeds and the prosthetics. In fact, I think that not just finding the upgrade smith, I think that upgrading as a whole and character progression has only gotten easier ever since. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which is such a big game design thing because it's one of those things where your character leveling, your gear progression, upgrading your weapon is something that helps everyone, but only new players won't know how to exploit it to its best potential. Yeah. It only hurts your first playthrough. And, like, Andre in 3 is another good example of that because they swap out in 3 the idea of weapon progression, like, forking off into different different kinds of upgrades. Like, we have to go, like, okay, I'm upgrading to plus 5, and then I'm using Green Titanite to make it a fire weapon, and then when the fire weapon gets to plus 10, I can then fork it off into either a fire or a chaos weapon. They um, left that behind in DS1. It, yeah, it yeah, and DS two. Yeah, because that that means like if you start that weapon, it gets stuck in that path. If you want to, um, if you want to get rid of that, you have to like reset the weapon to base level again. Whereas in three, they just let you swap out gemstones that give it different elements. And in Demon Souls, every single upgrade path requires a different resource to use, which yeah. are only obtainable in very small parts of the game, and yeah. you can completely miss them. Yeah, like, blades, bladestone. Oh yeah, bladestone. Yeah, you can't even get enough um, of the what's what's the blade material, whatever. If you yeah. miss enough titanite lizards, you just won't have enough to fully yeah. upgrade it, and you have yeah. to wait till the next playthrough. Yeah, but again, like, okay, do you like that or not? I think that's bad because that only hurts the new players. That's not. It's not. They got rid of it because they want the game to be the same for everyone. Yeah. On the first playthrough. I kind of like it because then not none of those things are actually like necessary on the first playthrough because the game is not that hard. Like having a okay. like a plus ten like sharp weapon. You don't need that. You can actually just upgrade everything with regular um stone. And like just like upgrade your starting weapon to plus ten um basic path, you're fine on your first playthrough. I like that a lot of the things in the game, like we because we've played them so much, we can obsess over like specific builds and getting like the maximum AR and the maximum scaling and everything. That's not really necessary the first time you play it. You can just kind of like um stumble your way through and still win. So what I like about it is it's it's that they're like it's like this extra weird thing that like it exists, but it's not strictly speaking necessary. It's not like I need this. It's like, did you know that if you get like this soul and this upgrade material, you can upgrade this weapon so that it heals you. And it's like, cool, but I don't need that. Like it, it, going back to like what illusory wall was doing, illusory walls done a lot of stuff about dark souls mechanics. And these things were not understood for a very long time. Things like vagrants and the way you would sometimes get bonus humanity um, and bonus Estus refills, and you wouldn't know where they came from. Is that right. because that stuff was happening? Because there was all these, all these mechanics and and like 
weird random stuff was happening because you were online. There were like upgrades you didn't understand. There were weapons you didn't understand how they worked. That gave it this feel of like, I don't know what is going on in this world. It felt like living and breathing. And that's what led to things like... I mean, I, this is something that, like, if you're under, if you're younger than, like, Sin and I, I guess it's not going to make sense to you. But if you <laughs> grew up without the internet, if you grew up without game FAQs, rumors about games were a big deal. Rumors about things you could do in them. Like, you would see, like, your friend would say, yeah, like, I did, like, in, in um, you know, Final Fantasy VI, I made this thing happen. And you wouldn't know if it, like, did that really happen? Did you invent that? And people would send, like, screenshots into magazines where they'd fake something up and say, I made this thing happen. And you would hear all this stuff and you would not. Oh, oh God, like, the Chris Houlihan room in Link to the Past, which we won't go into, but, like, that was, like, what the hell is this thing? (laughs) Um, And, like, the second that, like, I I have a very vivid memory, actually, of this is, like, a tangent about Final Fantasy VI, but, like, Final Fantasy VI at the end of that game, like, at the end game state, there's a place where there's a um a monster that is a giant like sandworm from Dune and it fights you by sucking you up and if you kill it it spits you out again but i was <laughs> like what will ha- no what will happen if um everyone in my party gets sucked up will that just be game over my party gets sucked up screen goes black i am now inside the worm and there is a level yeah. inside the worm. And at the end of the level inside the worm, there is a secret character who I can recruit to join the party. And I had no that, idea that would happen. That blew your they, mind, though, right? It blew, blew my mind completely because there's no game FAQs. There's no internet. I don't know mm-hmm. this is going to happen. It just happens. And the they were closest, okay with everyone missing that other than the few yeah. dedicated people. Yeah. And the thing is, like, that that never happened again until Dark Souls because no one understood how it worked. And you started getting people saying there must be a way to save Sif. There must be oh, a way yeah. to, like, do blank. Like, all these, like, what if we did this? The the pendant. This. Yeah, the pendant. Like, all this stuff in there that's, like, what, what. And even Dark Souls 3, the streamlined one, I remember when that came out, people were saying, um, because the Shrine Handmaid asks you where you got the the Dragon Chaser's ashes from. No, no, the whatever, the ashes that are in Farron Swamp. She's like, where did you find these? And people were like, oh, yeah, if you tell her like that, that's why the wolf is dead. Because if you tell her, she'll kill the wolf. But if you go back beforehand, the wolf is still breathing. I'm like, that's not true. But people kind of thought it might work that way because they're used to these games being constructed like that of having just weird esoteric things. I bet that's why you guys like the lore so much, because the lore is all about that. Kind of, yeah. You have, you have to really put in the effort, try to find everything out, and it's one of those few places where the esoteric stuff can be really cool if you discover yeah. that one little detail. Um, yeah. And even like with the Bloodborne Chalice Dungeons, just the fact they were procedural. People oh, yeah. kept looking and looking and looking because they thought they were, and they eventually they did, and they found the the hole digger. If people are is, really interested in that sort of stuff, check out Tomb Prospectors. Yeah, genuinely one of the best Souls communities, and it's all about running the Chalice Dungeons and yeah. all the secrets in there. They have a breakthrough every couple of months. Yeah, <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So, do you want to tell us more about the upgrades? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so just to, just to recap, Demon Souls, you play through it and say you want to do a magic build and you start upgrading magic. 
but you never find the magic upgrade path, and then you're just kind of screwed out of it, right? Then Dark Souls 1 comes along, where you can infuse each weapon with all these different types, but they have the same, they still have a bunch of different types of Titanite. And Dark Souls 1, also, the embers in that game do something very different from all the other ones. You literally cannot upgrade your weapon past plus 5 unless you find a semi-hidden ember. And you can't upgrade it plus, past plus 10 unless you find a very hidden ember yeah. that is in New Londo Ruins that I didn't find on my first playthrough. Yeah. Now, Richie said that that's okay to him because you don't need to have a fully upgraded weapon in Dark yeah, Souls like, 1 yeah. or in I Demon like, Souls. To yeah, like pl- plus 15 on Dark Souls, like, new game is, like, it's kind of overkill. You don't really need it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you don't need it at all. Yeah. But you can do it. And that is really cool. Yeah. The one problem with that, though, is I think that's why the design, the difficulty level on the, in these games, the first two games, is kind of really hard to get right. Yeah. Because you can't really have hard, challenging combat bosses when you don't know the stats of the player that's going to go into them. Yeah. You, you can't design Nameless King around a plus three weapon. So they made it in the future games that people know you're going into Nameless King with a plus eight to plus ten weapon, and they're yeah. going to design it around that because everyone can make it to that point. In DS2, it's really easy to upgrade your weapon all the way to plus ten. But there are still a bunch of fail states. Like, for example, you can kill the blacksmiths although you can re- resurrect them in the game. But you can yeah. also never find one of them, and you can never get the key to unlock the other one. It's perfectly possible for you to play through DS2 and never figure out how to upgrade a weapon. Yeah. And, But it's a lot easier than the first ones. And that step is even bigger when you get to Bloodborne. Because Bloodborne has literally one upgrade material. They they went from Demon Souls where there's like eight or nine, down to like down to Dark Souls, then Dark Souls two, which got rid of all the colored Titanite fun stuff, and then they get to Bloodborne where it's just Bloodstone. Yeah. Except for Blood Gems, but Blood Gems serve in that game are kind of fill that same role as hey, there's this really cool stuff you can do with this weapon that most people don't know about. Yeah. Because the bloods, because you have two upgrade paths, really. And as long as you know that they're going to use one of them to its full potential, they're going to get to a plus eight weapon by the end. Yeah. It, the game designers could make the really hard bosses at the end of Bloodborne, like Ebrietus and the DLC bosses, yeah. right? It, it gave them a bigger, like, what's the word for it? Design space, right? Yeah, yeah. Another thing that, that they'll do is, like, We've talked about you not being able, like, if you don't understand the upgrade path, it's it's going to be confusing, but they will just give you stuff as well. Like, the one people I think will remember is just on the way to Sens, they'll just give you a lightning spear. That's the equivalent. Oh, of yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, like, Dark Souls 2 does it all the time, where you'll just find, like, hey, here's, like, a plus eight sword, it's lying around. Here's a plus seven short bow, it's just lying around. To make or sure the that, Halberd. Like, yeah, yeah, they'll just, they will straight up give you weapons, or, like, the Drake sword. Like, they specifically make it so at the start of the game, you get this weapon that, um, 
you basically to get the Drake sword, you have to do something that you would do if you didn't know what you were doing, which is just try sniping the dragon from under the um under the bridge. Yeah. Which is something that, like, a new player who was like, I'm scared, but I figured out, like, a safe way of doing this would end up doing. And you get this sword that's pretty good for when you get it, but because of how the scaling works, it's going to get crap, like, by the time you get to the mid-game. So I guess you have experience shooting dragons yeah, yeah. and dragons from a distance, huh? Yeah, so they like they they throw in all these things like weapons that have flight damage and weapons that scale differently. So like you sort of you always have like something that'll get you through. But not always though. Yeah. Like, not everyone will find the crystal halberd or the lightning spear and almost no one like a tiny percent are going to find the drake sword. I feel like the lightning spear is pretty hard to miss cuz it's just like on a critical path in front of you. Well, it, it's in a mimic, but yeah. They they trust the it, it, you have to trust the player to find yeah, it you know? yeah which it, it's a it's a very like a lot of people don't want to let the players fail because yeah. that means that instead of getting nine out of ten players to finish the game they'll get eight out of ten players to finish yeah. the game because one of them is going to get stuck on iron golem with a plus one weapon yeah yeah and one of them is going to get stuck in the duke's archives without yeah. a good weapon. And so something that we've hit on when we've talked about this a lot is, like, we've said, oh, it's hidden. It's, like, off the path. You have to look for it. So what's gating you there isn't necessarily – it's not a skill check. It's not a combat check. It's, like, are you exploring the environments? Here's the thing, so, though. Some people are going to kill Andre. Yeah. And then they just can't upgrade their weapon anymore. Well, they got rid of that stuff. Yeah. Then Dark Souls 3, Sandre. You can kill him as many times as you want, and he's just yeah. going to keep coming back. To be fair, like you, if you kill Andre in one, you have to really know what you're doing, because he's incredibly tough. Well, if you anger him, though, he won't let you upgrade stuff. Yeah, yeah, you have to go get um, uh, Oswald to pardon Which you. is a, another really hidden yeah. mechanic. Yeah, which they, they took out in, uh, in Bloodborne. There's no way to, if you yeah. grab grow an NPC, they're perma aggro. Yeah. Thank God most of them are behind windows and stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> or disappear into mist when you hit them. Yeah. <laughs> and also the upgrade person, you know, like you can't kill them in the in any of the games, really. Yeah, it's a bench yeah. or a bonfire yeah. or something like that. And DS3, like, if you thought Bloodborne had interest had complex mechanics with all the blood gems and stuff like that. DS3 just simplifies it all. Yeah. Like they add the embers back in. But really the embers finding them, half the time they just let you mess up your weapon and ruin yeah. it. You just you can completely uninfuse it, upgrade it to max, and you're then you're only missing out on like ten percent of the potential damage. Yeah. So there, that's that's the stuff for weapon upgrades because in the later games they decided that if you want to add hard end game bosses, like you look at the end game bosses of DS3, and some of them are really hard, right? Yeah, Twin Princes, Drag, really every boss at the end of that game, you're gonna you it would suck to fight that with an unupgraded weapon. Yeah, but you can beat Seath with an with an unupgraded weapon. Can you beat Aldrich 
with an unupgraded weapon? If you're not Lobos? Sin <laughs> would find a way. There we go. <laughs> and Yorm, too. Like, they literally have so many things trying to get you to not miss the gimmick for that boss. Yeah. Because they don't want you to fail. They want you to struggle, but they that's why I'm not completely against it, right? Because their, yeah. their philosophy isn't, we want players to not finish our game. And that's good about, that's the good part about Dark Souls. Their philosophy has always been, we want players to struggle and overcome it. So there's nothing worse than someone struggling and then giving up because they can't beat it with their current character, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that gets us to bosses, huh? Yeah. So where did we stop talking about bosses? I think that was DS2, right? Yeah. In DS2, almost every boss has a, has a gimmick that completely makes the boss what it is. Just only one per boss, though, for most of them. Like twin dragon riders, there's two of them and one shoots at you. Or skeleton lords, you kill one and it summons a bunch of crappy little skeletons. And then in Bloodborne, most of the bosses just don't really have gimmicks. They have mechanics that work on top of their combat. Right? Right. Like, does does cleric beast even have I guess you have you can shoot the head. You, you can break like the limbs of the cleric beast, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, if I ask you, what is a Dark Souls 2 gimmick boss? Or what is a Dark Souls 1 gimmick boss? Yeah. You can only think of, like, Beta Chaos. Yeah. And stuff like that. The ones that are really out there. Yeah. But if I ask yeah. you, if I ask you, what is a Bloodborne gimmick boss? You think of two right off the top of your head. What are the ones you guys think of? Um, is Mikolash a gimmick boss? Absolutely. Yeah. Mikolash and Witch is a Hamwick. Yeah. Are the are the two and they're straight up gimmick bosses. Yeah. They instead of distributing the the weird mechanics across all of the bosses of the game, they decided to just put like five gimmicks into one boss and just have the whole boss be weird. Yeah. Which is really different from all the other ones. Yeah. Because it used to be that they had one or two unique mechanics for every single boss. Mm. Right? So they decided to instead just make it so that most of the bosses are combat-focused and are hard, because the average Bloodborne boss is way harder than the other Souls games. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Even Gascoigne, right? Yeah. He's so much harder than... I, I think he's harder than any boss in Dark Souls 1. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I was fighting him last night. Yeah, right? Yeah. And you're not even able to upgrade your weapon to the point where you can just destroy him because you can't even upgrade your weapon too much by then. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to fight him and he's supposed to be that hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess the other thing that's that's interesting about the Bloodborne bosses is that like the they sort of lull you into like okay, you fight them and you you shoot them during their animations, you interrupt, you parry. But then yeah. They also just like and now they don't work like that anymore. Sorry. So like you can't you can't parry Amelia. You can't parry um the the larger bosses. Just can't be like you can't parry Paul. You oh, you're yeah. right. I didn't think yeah. about. Yeah, and you can't like there, and then you, there's only yeah. one enemy at the start of the game that you can't parry, and that's Cleric Beast. Yeah, because after a while they're like, okay, now everything that's big you can't actually interrupt. You can just break like 
Amelia and Cleric Beast, like, you can't parry them, but you can break their head, and then you can repost mm-hmm. the head. But then after that, it's like, no, like, Rom is just a blob. Like, you can't, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Briatus oh, is just a blob. Wet Nurse Rom is just is, a blob. Rom is the third gimmick boss. You're, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it sound negative when I call them gimmick bosses? By the way, no, no, it's it's accurate because like they they are a boss with a gimmick. Like it's not bad. Okay, I want to I want to define gimmick though because there's a difference between a gimmick and a mechanic. In my opinion, gimmicks are the ones that are fun. Maybe on your first playthrough, you figure them out and then you chew them up and don't have to deal with them ever again. Mm-hmm. Right? Gimmicks are yeah. Gimmicks are things like. Um, what's a good gimmick from Sekiro? If you, if you charge attack Owl, he will just straight up kill you. Yeah. And that is something you learn, makes sense, it's a puzzle, you figured it out, and it's done. Yeah, and it's really cool when it happens. It's really cool, it's really cool, but you'll never, you'll never see it ever again. Yeah, it's like, this is a skill I've been using throughout the game to destroy everyone who uses thrust attacks. And now I'm going to thrust attack Owl, and then he just does it to you. And it's like, shit. Okay. He taught me that move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that is an guess, awesome yeah. gimmick. Yeah. So mechanics, to me, are things that you, can, you figure them out, you get that aha moment, and then you can still figure out more about it. You can right. still you can still learn more about how to interact with these extra bonus mechanics because they're they're more interesting. They work more with the combat of the game. It's not just don't do this and you won't die. It's this is an another way you can fight the boss that makes them more interesting anytime you fight them. Right. You fight you fight witches of Hemwick after the first playthrough and they're super easy. You'll never die to them unless, well, I guess you can still die to them. Yeah. Not really as much. But if you fight Vic or Amelia and you know all the mechanics of that fight, and you know you can break the legs to repost the head, and you can also break the head itself, those are mechanics that completely enhance the fight Right. every single time you fight against them. Um, one thing I feel like they've done is that they've just turned away from gimmicks and started adding more and more mechanics right because that just makes the game more playable and more fun or challenge runs and stuff like that um if you look at i mean bloodborne every boss has multiple mechanics to it but most bosses don't have a gimmick right the way you fight cleric beast on the first playthrough is the same way you're going to fight him on every playthrough but on future playthroughs, you'll be able to know that you can shoot the head to repost them, or you can break each one of its limbs. Or with, um, what, what's another boss? You can parry Orphan of Cost. And yeah. most people don't know that the first yeah. time you fought him, because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, the, the abhorrent beast, like that was, there was a, I remember a big argument when that first started about whether it was possible to parry him. Because he's the si- this is a weird thing because he's the size of a boss like you think between. you could parry. He's like the size of Gascoin, who you can you can interrupt he's the Gascoin. Size of Gascoin? Really? Well, he's a, well, he's I think he's bigger, but he's like hunched over, so he gives the impression he's like the size kind of. Yeah. But um, yeah, it turned out that no, he works like the others, where if you if you hit his head enough, it staggers him, but you can't actually yeah. interrupt him. 
Yeah. You can break his arms. Yeah, yeah. You can break every one of his limbs, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, it's really hard because he just jumps around so much. But yeah. You can... He, he works like any other big beast boss. Yeah. Um, and then we get to DS3. And DS3 is a lot like Bloodborne. Like, if, if you said that Bloodborne's cast of bosses is different from the other games, but it's really Bloodborne and DS3s. Because right. both of these games have high health, combat-based bosses. And the few weird fights that they have are really weird. They throw in a bunch of weird stuff in there. But they're not they're never cakewalks, right? You right. still have to fight enemies even in Deacons of the Deep. Yeah. Except for Ancient Wyvern, I guess. But, <laughs> I mean that's that's still testing a skill from fighting from the regular game because Yeah, it's it's like DS3, it's like Mikolash again. You just gotta like navigate an environment. Yeah, and in all the Souls games there's a whole part of the game that is running past enemies. And finally they yeah. made a boss that tests that. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they, and then the DLCs, all the, all of the DLC bosses in DS3 have like so many weird little quirks to them that most people don't know about. And you don't need to know about them, but they don't ruin the boss. They just make it more interesting. Meanwhile, Can you give us an, you, an example of like uh, oh, one of okay. them? Oh, okay. Maybe you guys won't know some of these, but Gale, if you shoot his head, you can repost him. Whoa. Yeah, he's got a headshot animation. Yep. Uh, he also takes damage from his lightning as well on top of that. So oh, if he can hide him, hit himself? Yeah, he can actually wow. die from his own lightning. <laughs> um... You guys know about the cape hitbox, right? How uh, the cape hits where the sword hits as well, afterwards? Kind of. Oh, because it leaves little, like, this the animation behind. Yeah, when yeah. he swings his sword, his cape will swing at a fraction of a second right, right after the sword. Which, it looks cool, but on top of that, it means he has a completely unique mechanic, which is that it's harder to dodge his attacks. It's harder right. to roll through them because there's two hitboxes, right? Right. Madir, Madir's got a couple. You know, it, it's all interacting with his head. With his head, mm-hmm. Demon Prince is really weird. His the way that his phases turn between the two of them, yeah. it's completely based on a timer. And I had no idea. It's a timer. Yeah, it's wow. it's all. Um, they they. I think it's like. Roughly, like, I think it's like 20 seconds. Yeah. And they will always change the same amount of time between each other. And so there's a little bit of time where they have the same transformation. Wow. Uh, You guys know, right? When when both of them are in flame mode and they just chase you and you you can't do anything and run away. I've only done Ring City, like, twice or three times, I think. I haven't played it that much. Yeah, yeah. Well, this enhances multiple playthroughs, though. Right. And you yeah, don't need yeah. to know it to beat them. Yeah. Um, or... I, I just I just randomly thought of like an example of a weird boss mechanic we haven't talked about. Yeah. Um, Freya in Dark Souls 2, where she, in, only in New Game Plus, you fight her before the fight. She shows up. 
oh, going yeah. on your way to the arena and you fight her and it's it's like it's timed it's not very long but any damage you do to her there carries over to the boss fight Mm-hmm. So you can you can like if especially if you're like a a mage you can like spam a bunch of spells at her when she first shows up and go into the fight and she'll have like twenty five percent less health. You can even kill her. Yeah, in you, that yeah, spot. yeah. If you show up to the fight and it's just empty. Um, yeah. Actually, Freya's got a bunch of weird things. Like yeah, she's got two heads. <laughs> and also, if if you hit one of the heads enough, it's not based on damage either. It's based on like stagger damage right if you hit one of them enough times the head will just fall off yeah and you can't hit that head anymore and the head on the ground will scare the spiders away and you can knock it around like a soccer ball that's beautiful (laughs) yeah (laughs) and nobody ever sees that because the boss has so little health that it just doesn't matter So when they make the bosses have more health in the later games, I believe that that enhances the gimmicks and the little mechanics and the little exploits because now it actually matters. Yeah, you have to like interact properly. Right. Yeah. Imagine if Freya was hard. Imagine if Freya was the hardest boss in DS2. You'd have to kite the heads around to avoid the spiders and... Make sure to go in with a weapon that doesn't that won't knock off the heads too fast, because then you like and you suddenly wouldn't be able to just run around to the other side because one of the heads has already fallen off. Right. And, um, I think that's a lot cooler, personally. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's a lot more fun when there's a reason to get good at the fight. Except that in DS2, the boss would probably be really frustrating if it was that hard. Yeah. <laughs> There's also like um uh the fume knight. If you go in with Velstat's equipment, he he oh, changes yeah. face immediately. Yeah, and that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Little story point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And lastly, we have Sekiro, mm-hmm. where there's it's also the same category as Bloodborne and Dark Souls Three because most of the bosses in that game are just combat bosses. But a couple of them are a little bit harder. They, um, I mean, not harder. They're they're more gimmicky. Right. Like you guys know that you guys. What is it like? Three gimmick bosses in, in Sekiro. What are the guys? Uh, the ones you guys can think of. I'm trying to run through them in my head. Like, um, does the snake count as a gimmick boss? Since you just fall on its head and kill it. Nah, that's not a. Uh, that's not yeah. a health bar. There's that's monkeys. True. Yeah, it's the the folding screen monkeys and um, right. divine dragon, divine dragon, obviously. Yeah, and what was the third one? Do you think? Um, I can't think of a third one off the top of my head. Right, I, I think there, those yeah. are the two. Yeah, there are fights with a lot of unique mechanics, but they're not really gimmicks, like Lady Butterfly right. summoning the Phantom Children, and because those are fun. Yeah. Sleeping a face of corrupt monk, yeah. Is it fun to chase the folding screen monkeys when you know how to kill them? See, I I still like I never even bothered figuring out how to kill them. I just chased them around and, and killed them <laughs> with ignoring the <laughs> mechanics completely, and it worked fine. So I never bothered. It's actually really <laughs> cool though. They all have different AI. Yeah. It's awesome. yeah. Yeah, there's like one one can't see you, one can't hear you. 
one is invisible and forget the other one. He he alerts the other monkeys. Yeah, yeah. He it's like don't talk, and he's the one that talks. Yeah. Um, and Sekiro has really hard bosses too. Yeah. Like, have you guys like Demon of Hatred? Have you guys fought and beaten Demon of Hatred? I I fought and beaten Demon of Hatred. That's a separate incidents because <laughs> there's a Did way you, to cheat Demon of Hatred <laughs> I fought Demon of Hatred a bit and I'm like you know I'm good I, I'm i fine so I just want the lapis I just want the lapis please so I just <laughs> I just kited him off a cliff Sin have you fought him? no but I looked up the video where you can cheese him and I'm like uh too easy yeah that, it's not the hardest cheese you can also get Gyobu that way I think but um Oh yeah, it's a, yeah. It, it's the same arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't think of that, but yeah. But they would never, ever, ever, ever add a, a boss like Demon of Hatred or Owl Father or even the final boss Ishin yeah. to Ekaru if they didn't know that you would have a, a fully upgraded weapon or in that game uh, the the attack speed bonuses or yeah. the attack power bonuses. Yeah, because you, no one is gonna have a fully upgraded weapon if it's as hard as it was in the original game, right? So you can't, you just don't have the design space, and you can't make the bosses that are as cool and as interesting and as, as like exhilarating as Ishin because you just don't know whether or not they can actually beat them. Mm-hmm. And and they work in. A um a failsafe for that as well with the dragon mask. Oh yeah, yeah. That's because it. um yeah, like I guess to to like recap, um in Sekiro you get attack bonuses for beating bosses, but there's also an item called the dragon mask, and if you get that, yeah, you, you have to like unlock it. It's like it, it's actually it's pretty really late in the hard. game that you manage to unlock it. But yeah, once you, you have, have to talk it, to like three different NPCs and find yeah. them all around the world. Yeah. But once you have it, you can just boost your attack power using skill upgrades. So you can, if, and it's designed for new game cycles. It's like you can just keep, like, once you have all the skills, you can just keep your attack going up and up and up and up and up. Yeah, it's so that um, XP never becomes irrelevant. Yeah. When in reality, XP is by far the most useful resource in the game. <laughs> <laughs> So why is there no XP Mibu balloon? That's my that's my question. Yeah, I, I had fun grinding for that platinum. <laughs> I, I God, but Sen becomes so meaningless that by the end I had four thousand one hundred and twenty six snap seeds because there was nothing else to buy. Use the uh, the Sen uh, shuriken. I, I I did for a while, and I'm like, I don't want to keep using this. It's <laughs> just <laughs> actually bad. <laughs> Um, so, okay, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to Demon Souls, the remake. Do you guys think that all of these returning Demon Souls players will go back, will finish Valley of Defile? You know what, even the very first area. Do you think that Blue Point will let people finish the very first area of Voltarian Palace, get to Phalanx, and just completely steamroll him? And have zero fun. 
in comparison to like an actually challenging fight. Well, this is this is interesting because they have mentioned something and they've given no information on it, but something called shattered mode, fractured mode. I think. Fractured well, mode, yeah. they canceled that though. Uh, do we know? Do they yeah, they, they said that they they got rid of shit. It's not in oh. the promos anymore. Yeah, but is, is that because they canceled it or because they're trying to keep it under wraps? I don't know. Because I'm wondering, I, I, I'm like, talking about like, yeah, a person's first playthrough. Like, people are going to yeah. play re- normal. Mode, yeah, not um, whatever yeah, shadow mode. Yeah, I guess like from what we saw in the trailers, everything seems to be moving about the same. Yeah. So I'm guessing like. They haven't, from what we can tell, given the bosses different movesets. So unless they they've, just they've up only the... showed off the good bosses, that was the thing. Yeah. So unless they like just they... up the numbers, like I don't know how they'd make it harder if it's the same movesets. If they just made it like you can scrub fewer times, or have them be faster. Made them faster, like yeah. If they yeah. turn first boss into like Ludwig. No, but that's what I was saying. Like <laughs> it's the same movesets. Like nothing actually seems to be moving faster from what we've seen. Well, what's stopping them? They might just want to be incredibly faithful. That's what. I, that's why I was wondering what the fuck fractured mode was, because what I'm wondering is, is fractured mode, and this is entirely me speculating because I have no idea what it is. Is fractured mode that they have made a completely faithful gameplay-wise remake of Demon Souls, but they're aware that Demon Souls is not that hard, and people who are into oh. Souls games are going to play this and think this is easy. So fractured mode is going to be like a remix, and they're going to give them new movesets. They're going to make them move faster. They're going to make them do more damage, and that's fractured so it's mode. fun mode. Yeah, it's like a uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, okay. You, you know, I got a better question though. All you right, know, not about the bosses because changing a boss, you're right. That would kind of mess with the faithfulness of the game. But what about pure Bladestone? Mmm. Like, it's it's funny because I've never gone Bladestone in any of my Same. upgrade routes, yeah. yet everyone knows about it, because yeah. it's that cool. Yeah. Well, it, it makes me, like, going back to older games, it's like the, um, going back to the Adamantite from Final Fantasy IV. Like, Adamantite from Final Fantasy IV is an item that has a 1 in 256 chance of dropping from an enemy that has a 1 in 256 chance of appearing. And if you get it, you get the strongest armor in the game. And that makes it sound like, what a load of shit, why are you doing this to me? But, like, it's the strongest armor in the game. You don't need it. It's purely, like, a bragging rights thing. You can get through Final Fantasy IV without touching the Adamantite absolutely fine. It's just there to be, like, a cool hidden thing. And I feel that way about, like, a lot of... I think, like, having um, achievements and, like, trophies is sort of, like, warped the way we think about this stuff. But, like, you can get through Demon Souls without ever needing pure Bladestone fine. It's just kind of there if you want to, like, spend a weekend farming for it. And, like, I, I get that it's, but like... But knowing, knowing that the players can get... Will get yeah. pure Bladestone yeah. with a little bit of extra work. Yeah. Means that they can make the fights harder and better. Yeah. And more well balanced is the thing. Yeah. Um the more I think about it, the more like, yeah, they probably it makes sense that they won't change most of these things. Because they're I feel like if they did there would be riots. Would you really would you really riot if they made um 
Like, okay, what's what's another example? But people got angry at Dark Souls Two playing differently, and that's a completely different game. So, but like, they completely changed Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I can imagine, on. like, they're because the previous the one, better, the previous um, remake they did with Shadow of the Colossus, which has a similarly obsessive fan base, and they kept that really, really faithful. They added, I think, like oh, one new yeah. room. So I'm thinking it's probably the same deal. But then, like, Sin and I talked about. Um, half jokingly, but I think there's some some validity to it. That there's new architecture visible in the tutorial area. There's oh like, yeah, I saw that. And there's and there's a we noticed also watching it again. There is a door that's not there normally. So it's like I think like because we know stuff got removed. Like there's the whole archstone missing. Are they going to add extra stuff to the tutorial? Like you'll go back there, like you do with the asylum in um. Dark Souls one, or maybe Demon even Souls like, is such a small game. Dude. Yeah, they, they but, could add so much to it. Yeah, but I'm one. I'm also wondering if it's going to be like when you beat the game the first time, you get like a key that carries over to New Game Plus, and that unlocks that door or something like that. Something. Cause maybe you some, could rematch Vanguard that way. Yeah, so like there's a space to sort of add like new stuff. That maybe right. they'll do pure bladestone. That maybe pure bladestone's the reward for beating Vanguard. <laughs> okay. Then you you guys know how you can hide behind the wall in for the Storm King fight, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, the like ruined little building. Yeah. There's yeah, there's there's a building in, in the Storm King fight, and. He, I know, so you can do this without even looking it up. It's not hidden at all. You can yep. just stand behind it, and all of the missiles from Storm King will just not hit you. And you can yep. just stand back there, spam the Storm Ruler, and just win. Yeah. Well, I would like, personally, this, this is me, so I'm not, yep. I'm not trying to yep. convince anyone's opinion, but <laughs> if I were them in making this game for myself and for other people that have never played Demon Souls before, I think that it'd be more fun to just have that fight, to have the missiles be dodgeable and yeah. make it more of a skill testing sort of thing and not give you just a I win button yeah. by hiding behind the wall. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it, it was cool back then, but half the people that are going to buy the remake already know about that fight. Yeah. And half the people that have never played it will probably not really enjoy that fight that much because of this tiny little mechanic that they can get rid of. So is are they going to keep that that in there just um, because it's loyal is my question for them. And we'll ha we'll find out in like a, a yeah, month or so, yeah. right? I mean, but yeah, but even that, that's not really like quote-unquote a mechanic. It's just like a factor it's of... It's an exploit. Yeah, it's like this. This obstacle is there, so you can hide behind it. I mean, they might if they I, like they having to remake you, the you area. Just win so. the fight, though. You yeah, just completely win the fight if you hide back there. Is Storm King that challenging anyway? Though, like you just, yeah, you, just point, you just point at him and press R two, and you win. Like it's not. It's not that easy though if you're not yeah. hiding back there because he can. They can all yeah. stun lock you. I yeah, feel like I Storm King is like good because it's a spectacle, mm. but I don't think it's like a particularly challenging fight. What they should do is that you can like get on one of the little guys, and then and they fly them. towards the 
big guy. Yeah, and then you jump yeah. on the big guy and then you yeah. stab him. It's super dramatic. Oh, they could like, make it into a Shadow Colossus fight. Yeah. <laughs> they learned a lot about that. Yeah. I never played Shadow Colossus. Well, oh, it's a great game. We're going to have to. Well, when it came out, it like it took a while to like develop a following. Like it was not like it's it's got that like Souls sort of like fan base to it, where it has like a very 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 dedicated fan base who came along like over time and sort of built one up. Mm. Yeah. Well, Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Oh, Elden yeah. Ring. That shattered. By someone, someone or something. Fifteen months. How much do you guys want Elden Ring? Well, I don't know anything about it other than the trailer. <laughs> it's a from-software game. I kind of love it because whenever I think of Elden Ring, I think of Ibrutus's rendition of the trailer. Well, that was the design methodology of the Souls games and how it changed over time with special guest Labor. Labor, do you want to? You said you don't have any social media, so if you just want to tell us, like, what uh, again about what your game is called and when people can find it. Yeah, um, this has been a long-term passion project of mine. Something I just I've been coding for the last seven years now, wow. and finally got one of them published on Steam. So it's, it was actually a lot easier than I thought. But if you all are interested in checking it out, it's called Artifacts. Plural with an S. If you don't put the S, it'll never come up. <laughs> and also, you should probably search with labor as well, because it's not a big game, and it might not come up otherwise. If you're all interested in weird little Metroidvanias or roguelikes, it takes a bunch of elements from those, and uh, I put a lot of work into it. So. Aw, cool. We'll check it out. Well, thank you. thank you so much for coming. It was a great time. Have a good one. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye! Bye! Bye-bye. Imagine it. That which commanded the stars, giving life its first brilliance. The Elden Ring. Oh, Elden Ring. Shattered by someone. Or something. Don't tell me you don't see it. Look up at the sky. It burns.